ain't silent. Anything you say can and will be used against you in a court of law. You have the right to an attorney prior to and during any question. You can't afford one in a court appointment for you. You understand your rights? Your crime spree was over, son. Yeah, you thought you had it licked. But Hitman in overtone made you sure to turn to shit. <laughs> Warning, each episode of Real Life, Real Crime, the podcast, will contain descriptions of acts of violence or of a sexual nature and are for people that are 18 years or older. Heed my warning, people. I do not get the facts of these cases off the internet or from some television show. These facts are I'm retelling were presented to me by the victims of the crime or the perpetrators who committed the crimes. My descriptions of the crime scenes are what I saw with my own two eyes. If you are going to get offended, turn this podcast off now. Thank you. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of Real Life, Real Crime, the podcast. And I'm your host, Woody Overton, with... None other than Jim, the Hitman Rathman. And one day we'll get to telling y'all about that. But Hitman uh, has always been my nickname for him and always will be. And we will lock that up on a future patron episode. But hey, y'all, you just heard it live and on the air for the first time. Our new music by our Real Life Real Crimes new musical artist, professionals, whatever you want to call it. Uh, but what do you think about the song, Jim? Uh, fantastic. I, I think, I think that just put a whole new dimension to it. I love hearing it. I've, I've listened to it probably 20, 30 times. Since I know it's crazy. I, I, I'm addicted to it. It's, it's fantastic. And I, I can't thank that man enough. Yeah. So, yeah. You so, say y'all that's, Toby Tom play and it's T O M T O M P L A Y and the and and his wife Shelly but y'all Toby's been jamming it out in South Louisiana for over 20 years. I mean, I know everything from the House of Blues to whatever and his wife Shelly was a huge fan of real life real crime and he, she got him to yeah, she got him to start listening to it and they reached out to me the other day and he was like, "Dude, you know, he sent us their latest video, uh, which is released on Apple and everything else. It's called Dreams, and I, I posted it to the crew page for everybody the other night, and it's on YouTube and Spotify and Apple. Uh, and anyway, he said, hey, you know, I, I want, want to put a jam together for Real Life Real Crime, see, see what you think. I said, well, you know what? We kind of had some issues with that. The our original theme song, which everybody loves, or 90% of the people love, um, we had to get away from it for undisclosed reasons, but the, and then 
so I did the the intro music with the sirens and and my son's friend playing the guitar while I read Miranda. Well, as you heard, I told him I said we want to keep it bluesy and, and and the feeling, but man, they put it together and it's just fantastic. So, to, <laughs> yeah, y'all get check them out. It's Tom Play T O M P L A Y. Just Google them for their website, and they're on Facebook and YouTube and Instagram. Uh, they are dropping a new single every week this month, every Saturday this month. And uh, Toby and Shelly are. And now, Shelly's also a kick-ass artist, and um, she goes by Shelly Brown Art. You can look it up. And they're on Instagram, uh, you know, Shelly Brown Art, uh, T- Tom Play All Day on Instagram. And... And on Facebook as Tom play, but anyway, I can't thank them enough. They rock. They're going to be uh, taking care of our music Their stuff. Voices are amazing. Truly um, are. It just brought this to a whole new level. It gives me goosebumps. They did a tremendous job with it. We can't thank you both enough. Yeah. And congratulations on all your success as well. You guys rock. Yeah, and we can't wait to see what we can do together in the future going forward. So we really appreciate it, you know, you taking the time and grinding it out in the studio. I, I never would have dreamed, you know, we'd have something as cool as that. So we appreciate y'all and we love you. And and y'all fans, check them out. Uh, we're going to put them on our website and in our show notes and all that. And, and they'll be part of Real Life Real Crime going forward. So can't say enough thanks about that. Um, So Jim... Before we get started today, we need to touch on the 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 elephant in the room, and that which is Courtney Coco, and our investigation into who murdered Courtney Coco. Now, y'all, you've got to understand this is a real life homicide investigation, and you know the the vest. We have not stopped. And just like I did the video this week to the crew page about keep sharing it outside of the crew page, I'm telling y'all, when you did it, we get more tips every single time. And then we know where the investigation is and without saying anything, et cetera, we don't even have to do that, but you never know who, what else is going to get called in uh, that helps make the case even stronger than it already is, which is a slam dunk in my opinion, but um, Jim. Um, we I will tell we will tell you guys this. That come next week, we're gonna give you an update on where things are at. Period. Yeah, we're not gonna wait uh, any longer. Yeah. We're not gonna wait any longer. At the end of the day, we know where the case is. We know what's going on. Um, it's time. So we're gonna update you guys next week. Come hell or high water. So stay tuned for next week's episode, and uh, that's all I'm going to say about it right now. Yeah, that, I, I'm so one or two more things. That, y'all, we've literally been waiting um, for the phone call. So, which is why you're going to be getting this episode a little later than that, we would like because we're waiting to the last possible minute. But that's it. The third week in a row that y'all got, you're not going to get you're not going to get this one till tomorrow. At which meaning Saturday, uh, go Tigers, by the way. And the it's just important, y'all. We're going to wait to a certain extent, but we have not gotten off of it. We work on it every single day, and we're going to continue to work on it until the sons of bitches behind the gates of Angola. 
and that's it. Uh, next week, next week, you, well, you just, you just, just plan B, C, D, E, F, and G. Yeah, just next week, something, something's coming down one way or another. You're going to know we're not going to put you off anymore that, uh, one way or another. It, 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 you're going to know something. So we, we much love and uh, for that family that you know for Courtney's family and if they can wait 15 years we can wait a few more days but um yeah it's important so but y'all we haven't we're never going to stop on this case and and you know we get messages people saying that we sold out and we quit it no we haven't um and you can go yourself uh, <laughs> yeah go pound sand actively it's it's always easy to make this as your armchair quarterback hoping to hit the dvr to the end and get to the ending of your show but that's a bunch of crap and you don't know really what's going on or how much time and and all the involvement that takes place in this it's an active case if you want the ending then you go listen to something else until we get to the ending if that's what you want to do but um one you know letting telling us that we sold out and everything else um Well, that's it is what it is. Devil, yeah. devil has to fight some way, but it's coming, and so just hang in there, bear with us, and uh, keep sharing it outside of the crew page. It's important, and keep you know showing support for the family, and we love and appreciate each and every one of y'all. So that being said, Jim and I had to reach into the old bag of tricks today, and we're going to do a new episode that none of y'all know about. And Jim, what are we going to call it? <laughs> uh, family love affair. <laughs> Jeez. The, uh, I guess we should. Okay. You, again, y'all see we're unscripted, edited, unedited and raw. Cause we haven't even talked about the title of it yet, but the, uh, okay. Family love affair. The, um, Sounds good to me. <laughs> I mean, it, it is what it is. Yes, it, and it definitely is what it is, y'all. That uh, and let me tell you something about Livingston Parish. And Livingston Parish gets a bad rap. You know what? How about keeping it within the family? Uh, that <laughs> Jesus, you're killing me. <laughs> the uh, family that plays together stays together. And, uh, the now certainly we're not we're, we're not making light of, of a bad situation, but the um. How about we just call it family uh, uh, or whatever? That's fine. Look, look, sometimes we laugh. We're not making light of the situation or trying to say it's not important or any of that other stuff. Sometimes when you deal with these things, the best medicine that you can have is some laughter, and you got to laugh sometimes because the the reality of everything will just eat you up if you don't. Yeah, yeah. So So, that's how we handle it. Yeah, and I I can tell you that. I mean, uh, all the horrible things we've seen over the years and dealt with over the years, and you have to cut jokes when you're amongst yourselves uh, so you're not crying or eating your own pistol at the end of the day. But the it's a very serious story, uh, to be honest with you. Very but uh, um, I'm gonna talk about it real quick because the, the things that are going on in Livingston Paris now, with the arrests have been made recently, and we are absolutely going to address that one day. Um, but Jim and I are both both very very personally involved in in that situation. But I can tell you this: the uh, 
I don't understand why Livingston Parish has so many sex cases. And, and uh, I mean, Livingston Parish is the best people in the entire world. I live there still to this day. I put it up against anywhere that I've lived. But it just, I know when, when I'm in the Texas, it just seemed like we worked so many damn uh, sex cases. And, and, you know, I was talking to Too many. an Ascension Parish deputy, a detective friend of mine, one day where we're at, we're at a homicide class. And I said, I asked him, I said, I said, dude, I said, how many sex cases y'all work on, on average? And he said, hmm, maybe three or four. I said, what, a, a, a week? And he, he said, no, man, like every couple of months. And, and I was thinking, damn, we do, it seems like we do that in a week. And I was joking. I would be like, you know, I, people come from all over the world to live in some parish to commit sex crimes. Uh, uh, um, you know, like there's some kind of special kitty butter or something. And, and But it's just... I don't know. I, maybe we were more proactive uh, in, in arresting people. I don't know, but this is another one, y'all. And it's it's a it's just a fucking crazy story. But you can't make this up. And, and, and truth is stranger than fiction. But Jim, hit man, roll with it, cuz. All right, I'll roll with it. So, two thousand and seven. It was the beginning year, two thousand and seven. Yep. I'm up at the detective's office. Um, I happen to be working nights that particular week Woody and I were on nights yeah. and uh, you know so you come in a little bit later but um, at that time we came in at 2pm and you leave till 10 and you're on call till 4 or 5 in the morning whatever the heck it was so I'm sitting up there at the office uh, you know early part of the afternoon and I get called from Uniform Patrol that they needed me to come to Walker, Louisiana they give me the address and the reason for it is that another student overheard a conversation. It was told, actually, he wouldn't overhear. He was told directly by this 12-year-old, 13-year-old boy um, about what had been going on inside his residence. Well, the kid didn't think something was right, so he ended up telling his parents. Parents called the sheriff's office. Uniform patrol goes out, take the initial statement, realize... Okay, wait a minute. This is going to be involved. Um, some very sensitive information. So let me get a detective. Yeah, it's a little bit above. So call, a little bit above their pay grade. Yeah. A little bit above it. It's going to take a lot of legwork and a lot of time. And you know, uniform patrol needs to be there to handle a lot of the calls, especially ones that are hot and, and needing of a, uh, you know, quick assistance. So let the detective do the long work, especially when it's going to involve kids and stuff that's sensitive in nature. So. I go ahead and drive out there. I meet with the uniform patrol deputy and I'm talking to this parent uh, and she has her son there with her and they proceed to tell me that the child in question has been having an intimate relationship with one of his mother's friends. Okay, but let let, let me, and you know, I like to interrupt. So just to clarify it, when Jim is not talking to Jim is talking to the friend of the victim, what's going to end up being the victim in this case. He's not talking to the victim or the victim's family yet or anything. He's talking to the, the victim told his buddy, Hey, this, this has been going on. And his buddy told his mom and his mom uh, called Jim out. Called us out. Exactly. So I get the information which the kid had overheard. And he said he was specifically told, that this child, and we definitely not going to say the names because of the child, um, 
was having an intimate relationship with one of his mother's friends. And so when he gave me that, he didn't have a whole lot of details. And if he did, maybe he just didn't want his mom to hear it. Yeah. But just hearing that alone, knowing that this is going on and knowing that mom's friend is going to be an adult, um, you automatically know that this is going to be a, Oh boy, here we go. Yeah. So I think that the, yeah. the victim's like 13, was he 13, 12 or 13? He was, he was 13. Okay. Yeah. 13 and, years old. And, and real quick on, on this, y'all, when we work nights as partners, the like during the weekdays we would come out um we didn't come out to the detective's office at two o'clock and then regular detectives off got off at four and we would cover it uh until like jim said till 10 and then we'd split it uh to 6 a.m now if i took the late part um uh, you know i wouldn't call a jim out unless i knew it was gonna be something big right and 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 he wouldn't going to do the same he was going to do the same for me so i knew when he called me somebody's sugar was going to turn to shit man i mean i knew it had it wasn't it wasn't a dead body but we knew it was going to be a good case it was going to be a good one so you know ended up going getting the the information on the child and what they knew about the mother and and you know do some research and figure out where the address is and so I, you know, ride out there initially. Um, yeah, there are certain steps that you have to take. You got to, when it involves a kid, you have to let the uh, child protective services know um, because there's things that they're going to do, which we'll discuss later on. But you have to make them aware of it because of the allegation that's being made. Um, you have to look out for the safety and the well-being of the child. That is first and foremost. If the child is in a bad situation, you got to do something about it to take that kid out of that type of situation. So I let him went ahead and let child services know, met up with them, gave them a quick brief of what was being told. Um, I then went out to the residence. And when I went out to the residence, nobody was actually there at the time. Um, I couldn't get a hold of the mother. Um, there was another small child that was there at the house with the stepfather, I believe, at that time. And went ahead and, and just kind of had a brief conversation. Um, but the mother was not there, and that's who I really needed to speak with. And the, the child in question was also not there. So I left my information, asked uh, for her when she returned to give me a call, which she did. Um, later on that evening, she gave me a call. Um, I asked her if she could come up to the detective's office. Um, she couldn't come up that evening. She wanted to come later the next or the next morning, and it was pretty late at that point. Um, so I told her it was really urgent that I was, that I needed to speak with her. Um, but she didn't. She said that she couldn't make it up that evening, but she would be able. She wanted to know what it was about, and I told her I would let her know when I'm able to speak with her face to face. So the child was already asleep. Um, you know, they had school coming up the next day. So I was like, well, I asked her if she come up to the come up to the sheriff's office tomorrow, and I'll come in early and, and talk to her. So the child went off to school, which is okay because I have child services. They're going to talk with him after the fact. But he needed to be in school and keep the normalcy going. Mother came up to the sheriff's office. I bring her into an interviewing room, and I sit her down, and I start asking her about what this type of relationship is that uh, – we have been made aware of and the mother denied it. Like this is wait, wait, bogus. 
Wait, wait. Yeah. Just to clarify, so they understand, I mean, you've said, hey, you know, uh, we have information that your son has been having sex with sexual intercourse with one, of, with one of your best friends. And she's like, nope. I'm sorry, right. buddy. Yeah. So she she denied any, any you know, that, that wasn't the case. Um, you know, it's, you have this wrong. It's not happening. And I told her, well, you know, we need to be able to talk with your son. And, you know, <laughs> when he gets out of school, that's what's going to happen. And we're going to have child services there. And, you know, we're going we're gonna to handle this. And basically, until we get to talk with your kid um, and find out what's going on, that's just the way it was going to be. She wasn't going to be able to just go pick him up because at this point, you know, we got to, you have to investigate it thoroughly. And sometimes you got to do things that parents may not like, but it's involving a child. So uh, we're going to do what we have to do. So she denied the involvement. She denied it anything. Um, I then asked some questions like, um, as I had met the stepfather, you know, the night before, the day before, uh, she told me when it was that she got married, which she had only been married less than six months. Um, to this guy, um, they didn't have any children together. He was basically stepdad to her kids from her previous marriage. Uh, just kind of got a lot of those particulars. Went with child services over to where the kid was with school. When he got out of school, child, we, we came up to the child services office. And at that point, you know, they have ways of being able to interview and ask questions because you, they, you don't want to yeah, I'll go ahead, Alex. You, you want me to go ahead and explain this part real quick? Okay, so y'all, it's called a um, a CAC interview, Child Advocacy Center interview, and what they have is any child that may have had something happen to them. A lot, of, a lot of times, these allegations are false. When people are doing it, it's a bad divorce or custody battle or whatever. But even regardless, like Jim said, you have to investigate it to make sure the child is safe. And to see if there's any validity in the statements, and if there is, then you have to you have to act upon it. So now the CAC or the Child Advocacy Center interview uh, is a, a private pl- building, uh, and they have a forensic interviewer that goes takes the child into a room, and it's it's a comfortable room. If, if it's a younger child, they'll let them play with the toys or do whatever. You know, this 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 boy was a little bit older. The, the cops are not in the room. All right. That now we were in in another room monitoring the interview through closed circuit television, and the forensic interviewer has an earpiece, and we have a microphone. So if she missed anything from a criminal standpoint, uh, then we could say, "Hey, can you touch on this?" But the thing is, the first thing they do when they go in during the interview with every kid, it's the same procedure. They start out, "Hi, my name is such and such," and can you tell me your name? And the kid says her name. How old are you? What's your date of birth? Where are you from? And uh, how many people do you have in your family? What are your name and your siblings? I'm literally, I can tell you verbatim everything. Then they get to the point ultimately of, you know, do you know what is uh, the difference between a truth or a lie? And, and like if I told you the rooms in, in this wall were pink, would that be a true for a lie? And the kid says that's a lie. Why? Because they're white, et cetera. So what they're doing is this is all being video recorded. And nine times out of ten, this is either going for the grand jury or a lot of times uh, it'll, if it goes to trial, 
that they can get away with playing it without having to put the child on stand to, to further victimize them if they've been, been a victim. So that's how, that's the premise of it. And then now they can't ask any leading questions. They can't say, you know, anything leading the kid has to, they can generalize about a general situation, but the kid has to come out and, and say X, Y, and Z. All right. I'm sorry, dude. Go ahead. No, that's a great explanation. Well, I've done like a thousand and, of them, right? You know, they, yeah. Oh yeah. So they need to get the baseline from the kid. That's why they ask the questions. Are they, you know, is this a truth or a lie with the, with the colors of the wall? And they do those things to make sure that the kid understands what's going on, understands the questions, knows the difference between right and wrong, truth or a lie. And they build that, that base. And a rapport um, too, to kind of put them at ease. Build yeah. the rapport, exactly. Yeah. Cause the kids are going to talk more when they start feeling a little bit more comfortable. So, they already know what the allegations that were being made. It was we have a conversation with the um, forensic um, interviewer. Uh, interviewer, that, you know, before they even start talking to the kids, so they know what's going on. I had the mother waiting at the detective's office. So where this center was and where the detective's office was back at that time was only a couple of blocks away. Right, right down so, the street. Yeah, literally right down the street. So I had the mother waiting up in the lobby of our detective's office. Um, hanging out there and I told her she needed to stay there because we'd either, you know, I told her that we'd be bringing her child back there afterwards. Um, so she needed to wait there for us. And I did that specifically because if I needed to talk to her, I know exactly where she's at. And if there was nothing that came of it and, you know, and they said it was okay to release the kid back to her, well then we know where to go. So they start doing the interview after getting those baseline questions that Woody was speaking of. And they start talking about what had gone on and the, after he got comfortable the child started saying that he was he did have something going on with one of his mother's friends and it had started about, about two months before that or the current time of when this was reported and he said it started off with his mom's friend would come over on a regular basis and would always make the comments that your son's so cute. He's a good-looking kid. And would just constantly make these comments. And for whatever reason, his mother thought it would be okay to allow her son to get his first kiss through her friend. She thought it would be a good experience. Her friend was young at the time. Um, should I say what her age was at the time? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think she, she was, was 26 years 26. old. Go ahead and just, I'm a, she's just 26 year old. And, and I mean, she was a looker. I mean, she, she's a, she's a very attractive, uh, late. Well, I can't call her a lady because, uh, yeah. Very, very attractive. And you know, she's 26. She has a really good job. And, you know, she's her mom, you know, 40 years old, thought, Wow. My son could kiss my friend, who was a good-looking woman, and what what an experience that would be and memorable kiss for him to have that first kiss. So yeah, we're not we're not talking about it. We're not talking about a peck on the uh, on the cheek. Uh, we're talking about a full-on tongue French kiss make-out session. Yeah, and so that's how it started. So the first time it was a kiss, then the next time she came over, it was a couple more kisses. Well, then it got to where a plan was put into place where mom's friend was going to spend the night. 
So the smaller children were dropped off at a relative's house. And so it was just the stepdad, the mom, the 26-year-old, and the child. And I say he's a child because he's only 13 years old. Yeah. And it was put into plan. So all week long, this kid's going to school thinking about this because it was put into plan the week prior. But I, it, Friday, it, it, real quick, I, I mean, it's just making my head smoke. Now, your 13-year-old boy. Uh, all you guys out there and you at 13 years old, you have raging hormones, right? And, and I mean, you probably, whatever uh, the, but so you get a, a kiss that your mama says she wants you or make out session that your mama says she and wants it's to, okay. and it's okay. Mama, mama's like giving you permission to mug down with this super hot chick and it's okay. Now, I don't imagine the kid thought about too much else the whole week long when he knows that she's coming to spend the night. And, and the, but yeah, let's go real quick on because I have to touch on the gym on uh, the two types of offenders on the pedophiles, y'all, the situational and preferential. That's what the profiles are. Situational is like the ice cream man who snatches up the kid in the neighborhood and rapes him because the situation was right. They don't plan their crimes out, et cetera. The preferential offender is what this 26-year-old was, whether she knew it or not. They groom their victims. Uh, they ingratiate themselves into families uh, that have kids in the age that range that they like to offend against. And then they establish trust, and, and they escalate it slowly a little bit at a time. Now, this is classic. This is a classic example of preferential pedophile uh behavior i mean even just because it's a uh, a female doing it to a 13 year old boy doesn't make it any less egregious i'm sorry d yeah i know that if i was 13 years old and a 26 year old woman that was very attractive was into me Oh, I, I know what i would have been thinking about all week exactly my hormones were raging already at that point exactly so, and you know he's got permission from his mom. So, what's the harm in that? Right. That's how that's that how he was looking at it. That's where the real offense to me is. Is the mom? But go ahead. So he proceeds to say about this plan for that Friday night. So he's there at the residence. Mom's friend shows up. Her husband's already there, and the mom. Right. So the the yeah, the sorry the stepfather the mom mom's friend and the child they're at the house they decide to have a little bit of food put on some tv and they said the kid says but they handed me this this like pill to eat and the forensic uh interviewer asked well what was the pill and it says i don't really know what they had they told me to go ahead and eat it and it would make me real happy so he goes, so I did. And then she starts asking, what, how did that pill make you feel? And he goes, it was really weird. He goes, I like, like everything just became like lights. And he was attracted to different lights. And um, just the way he was feeling, it was um, just everything was just really sensitive. And I'm sitting in the other room listening to this going, wow. If this kid is describing that they gave him ecstasy. Yeah. So, do you want to touch on ecstasy? Yeah, well, M, 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 MDMA, uh, 
they didn't outlaw MDMA until make it scheduled to until I think like I was eighteen. But it, it was originally developed by uh, shrinks way back in way many 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 years ago to use at to get their patients to open up in therapy, and it, it gives you a, a distinct euphoria. Uh, makes a feeling of love and, and color, you know, sometimes with the colors, but more music and it makes you every touch feel so good. And it's just, you know, everybody knows it as a rave drug or uh, back in my day, it was the underground club drug. Uh, it's for, for dancing and, and, you know, it's the love pill basically and the love drug. And, you know, they used to say that if everybody ate ecstasy, there would be no wars, right? Cause everybody would just be hugging each other to death. It's a touchy, you know, feel good. You know, usually like four to six hour high. I'm talking about really, really intense for the user and just a pure euphoria it releases, does something with serotonin in your brain and releases the same uh, area that the, the, the dopamine's in the pleasure center of your brain. So they, they gave their 13-year-old kid X, the street term X, or now it's Molly. Uh, Jim, I think they call it Molly now. Back in the day, it was ecstasy. Well, he went on to describe how he was feeling and how it made him feel. And he said that when mom's friend came over and started to touch him, he just really liked that a lot and was like, wow, this is, this is the greatest thing ever. I'm being done. Like, it's, it's just different. Right. And he, he really liked it. So he and mom's friend started making out and they were getting all into it. At the same time, mom and the stepfather were also on X. So was mom's friend. So all four of them are on ecstasy at this point. And mom and the stepdad are getting heavily involved into one another. At the same time, same, and, and, and it means sexually heavily involved. Let me, I, I'm gonna throw this out there. I should have gave a description like this. Rolling on X is like having a four or six hour orgasm. That's what it makes you feel like. The the the, the you know the the pure euphoria. Now you if you could imagine that, then you start to actually have sex or make out with somebody. It's just you know mind blowing. And 13 years old. Oh my god. And, it's, and mom and dad are going at it. I mean, I mean, or mom and stepdad are going at it, uh, and you and a twenty-six-year-old are going at it. <laughs> Unreal. It, it, it still blows my mind today. It's crazy. So they then proceeded to go to mom's bedroom. So they all four of them walk into mom's bedroom. He describes how they all got naked, and then when they got naked. He said that she ended up inserting him right into her. So he is now having sex for the first time in his life. At the same time, on the same bed, mom and stepdad are now having sex. Jeez. And so this is just taking place in the same room, all at the same time, all while under the influence of ecstasy. And my mouth, while I was in the other room, my mouth just hit the floor. Like, are you kidding me? And this kid is just describing it because at this point he doesn't really think that anybody's in trouble. Right. Well, that's because mama said it was okay. Yeah. Mom said it's okay. 
So it's okay. I can share this story because mom said it's all right. Yeah. So she went on to ask more probing questions. And so I'm telling her, you know, when I had a chance to speak with her and let her know that I needed a little bit more information, I asked him to describe something that he remembers because it's important for him to give some, some details of a few things because if I can get the others when I interview them to say the same, well, holy crap. Well, then you it's, know, you then it's a lot. All the pieces together. And you're taking away, you're taking away the first thing the defense attorney is going to do is say this kid doesn't know what the hell he's talking about or he's lying or whatever. And, and so, you know, Jim pressing for more information he knew when it came down time for the parents interrogation, all we had to do is, is get something to lock it up and be the same. Right. And so he was thinking ahead of time uh, uh, and lining it out. I mean, at this point, all the different charges are just going off in my head. So I went ahead and uh, she went back in there with the question I needed. And, and she was asking him to describe certain situations. And, he ended up saying that one thing that he remembers, no joke, y'all, was that mom's friend and mom were facing each other while being bent over. And they were making out very heavily what? while the stepdad was behind the mom and he was behind mom's friend. Wait, wait, let's just call it for what it is. They were doggy style and mom and the best friend were face to face. And I, I guess, uh, the victim and the stepdad are, you know, are looking over mom and the girl's back. I mean, can you fucking imagine that? This is what was being described and what happened, y'all. And as you, if you haven't noticed yet, I'm more of the politically correct one. Uh, <laughs> I don't need to be, but for whatever, one day I'll get out of that role and I'll stop doing that. But uh, uh, well, I mean, that's that's okay. We're a good team. Uh, I mean, that's what it is. I don't want somebody to lose something in translation. I just vividly in my head, I'm thinking, oh my god, you know, they're all facing each other. Doggy style. And I'm like, holy shit, you can't make you can't make it up. Yeah. I remember I remember from that room when I was in that separate room, I pulled out my phone and I called Woody. And I was like, dude, two eight, you're not gonna you're not gonna believe this. And I started letting Woody know what's going on. And he was like meet you at the office as soon as we get (laughs) yeah it's like you wanted to be a part of this investigation like immediately whatever you were doing and um so anyway back to the story the kid vividly described that scene and that scenario and when the interview was over with we know there is no way in hell this kid's going back to mom so we also knew he wasn't lying yeah we also knew yeah he definitely wasn't lying so he didn't know, he, once he gave all the information, you know, that, that's all he could really get. Um, we went ahead and, you know, child services obviously is already involved. So they're now going to put the kid in, in, in the state custody because you can't let him go back to that. Um, so they brought him to the child services uh, department that is also close by and they held on to him there. And I went back to the detective's office where, uh, where Woody met me at. And as soon as I walked in there, of course, the mom's like, well, where's my son? 
And I just looked at her and I was like, well, we're going to talk first. Yeah, I could tell you where he so, wasn't. He's not behind your best friend doing her doggy style. <laughs> yeah. yeah, isn't that the case? So pull her into an interview room and, you know, right away, once again, I go ahead and you know, I, I read her Miranda rights and we have a form that you go through. I know we've described that in the past where they you have them initial next to each spot that they understand and have her sign off on that. I also record video record that. And I just sat back and I looked at her and I was like, we had a chance to talk once before and you said nothing was going on. Well, here's your chance. You want to start talking about what's going on? Because we found out a whole lot of what's going on. And, and, you know, she, well, he kissed my friend one time. Is that, but I thought that was okay. What do you mean it's Okay. Like your kid is thirteen years old, your your friend is a grown ass woman. Yeah, that part of that is okay. But you didn't you didn't dump that on her first because uh, because you wanted her to keep talking. You, you, you know, that's both of us screaming inside of her head. Like, are you fucking for real? And, and you know, but anyway, go ahead, Joe. Well, the way it really goes went down when I when you ask these questions, and sometimes I get I like to just get right to the good stuff. You have to lock him in on a statement. Right, And so I wanted to go over again the lie that she already told me. I want to lock her in on the lie that she's already said. Because none of it made sense. It was all full of shit. And then when I go ahead and I open up with what's really going on, um, you know, we can get down into the into the nitty-gritty of what, what the real issue is. Um, so we locked her in on her lies. Uh, you know, she thinks we're believing it. And then I start, you know, letting her have it as far as, uh, you know, we already know he's already told us everything what's going on. So when are you, you know, you're going to start telling us like, what's your story? You know, and she, now she's starting to say that, she, you know, she allowed those two to make out her friend and her son to make out. And she was there and she didn't have a problem with it. And, you know, in her mind, she thought yep. that Ma- was okay. Mom of the year. Yeah. Mom of the year. Right. That's what we should have named so the episode. Then I asked her, you know, but the moment I went ahead and said, I literally sat up in my chair. I got a little bit over her, and, and I, 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 both my hands, I remember being on the table, and I looked her dead in the face, and I said, you all made a plan for that Friday. I want to know what happened. And at that point, she knew that I knew that she had fucked up. Yep, she was dying. And she was toast yeah. and she went ahead and she started to talk about not only the making out wait wait hey re- real quick though I, I i distinctly remember you doing this and you might not remember it but the what you told her was y'all made plans for on friday you, uh, you said basically you said stuck you know i'm not fucking stupid we already know everything Y'all made plans on the Friday. I remember you taking your handcuffs out and putting them on the desk and saying, and you said, you said, you said, if you lie to me one more time, if you tell me anything that comes out of your mouth, other, other than exactly what happened on this Friday, you try to sugarcoat or anything else, then these are going on and game, it's game over. And the hell with you. That's right. Yep. And, you know, 
she, and her eyes got all big and she oh, just like yeah. she was like oh yeah gigs up i guess i should have warned my son that it's really not okay to tell other people uh, she knew man she knew at that moment she was toast and she proceeded to not only tell us where it started with the kissing and we systematically walked her through every single event how she came over the next week and they made out and how it progressed so when she got into the description about that friday she talked to, she she told us about everything the sex she did not tell us about the ecstasy self-preservation so I, asked her, I was like did you give your son something did you guys all take something there that you left that part out and she ended up saying no that day she gave him ecstasy and that they all took ecstasy because her and her new husband really enjoyed taking ecstasy and having hours upon hours of sex so they figured since they enjoy it and love it so much and mom's friend likes ecstasy well you might as well give it to him and everybody can enjoy having wonderful sex oh my god yeah wow so i i of course i proceed to ask her well where'd you get the ecstasy from <laughs> and another shocker to us oh uh, my god i forgot about this you want to handle this part no you you go ahead i it, well yeah yeah I, i'll handle it <laughs> usually you're, you're the one who handles the sensitive stuff the yeah, uh right. no, um it turned out just to sum it up the 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 ecstasy came from somebody that that was very shit. I don't even know how to say it. The ecstasy it came from someone who that we ended up knowing not not from them directly, but from uh, one of their direct family members. And it's just crazy. I mean, you never know what your your own family members are doing, but they they cooperated one thousand percent. It came. It came from somebody we love dearly. Exactly. And respect very to this day. with that family. That's to right. this day, I have nothing but the utmost respect for that family. Love them through and through. But, you know, when, when they gave us that information, when I got that information from the interview, and just to skip forward a little bit, when we reached out to let them know what we knew, they cooperated 1,000%, just like you would expect it to happen. And and we handled business the way that we needed to. Yeah. Um, right. But getting back to the story, she went ahead and told us who provided it, and then she proceeded to tell us that it happened again with the ecstasy the following week. Yeah. So it wasn't just the one time. Now it's happened twice. Yeah. Same person provided the ecstasy. Yeah. Same events happened. The smaller kids went to a relative's house. They had an orgy all up in mom's bed. Then the mom proceeded to say that she allowed her friend to come over once or twice during the week. And so when the smaller kids were there, she just pulled them to the other side of the house and allowed her friend and her son to go into the back of the back of the residence and get it on. And so this kid is, you know, 13 years old. He's got a very attractive 26 year old girlfriend for the most part that he's getting he's doing things that his friends can't even imagine yeah and i imagine and that's that i imagine basis. that him telling his friend is no uh, well, i don't imagine and I, you know boys would talk about boys and and 
you know, his, he told his buddy and his, you know, his buddies, you know, whether his buddy was jealous or whatever, told his mom. Yeah. So, but yeah, he's got it going on for a 13 year old boy, but it's still a crime. I mean, I'm sure. I think the, the, you know, the stigma on or whatever boys, uh, uh, whatever man i don't know what to say about it, it still blows my mind after all these years what's been that's been almost 13 I mean, years it, it's it's been a long time obviously and you know it just seems to be an epidemic today with people like you see when, i'm not even gonna go there right now actually it's a sensitive thing but you know we you got this kid who's who, who's doing all this and the mom is consenting to the whole thing so the boy doesn't think that anything is wrong yeah. But yeah, she's sitting here telling us of even more times that this has happened. Yeah. And each time it happens is another count. Right. That's right. You know, it's not like it's just all wrapped up into one. That's right. You have to now go back and count how many times has this taken place. Exactly. Each one of those is a charge. Now you got, you know, giving the kids drugs. You know, you've got charge after charge. That, and I'm like, yeah, but not only are they giving the kids drug, each sex count, each sex act is a separate charge. It's a, well, it's a separate, it's a separate, just like, you know, the ones recently in the news, if it's 60 counts, that means there's 60 different times that this happened. Mm-hmm. So we proceed to, uh, get the rest of the information from her. And sure enough, uh, slap the handcuffs on her. She's going to jail. I've got a full out confession. I have all her information. Now, I, you know, I'm going to go ahead and book her. So I remember filling out the booking form. I did my, my probable cause form and I needed to speak with the other, the, the mom's friend. So I went ahead, um, reached out to her. Woody went ahead and dropped, uh, mom off at the jail for me and came back, uh, ready to interview mom's friend. So I guess it's okay. I could say where she worked or. or yeah. Hell yeah. I'm going to go ahead and so, say Mom's friend worked at the Mercedes Benz dealership in Baton Rouge. Yeah. And so if you were Mercedes Benz customer back then, you, you saw her and you would recognize her. She, she was, I mean, I don't think Mercedes, I think must be written in their company policy because I don't think they have any bad looking people that work there. But I mean, right. you had this really, really attractive 26 year old, I mean, you know, working with the Mercedes dealer. So uh, when I called there, Originally, when I called, I remember a sales manager answering, and I mentioned that I needed to speak with her. They kept wanting to know what it's in regards to. I've clearly told them I can't speak to that with them, but I'll definitely talk to her. She gets on the phone. I ask her if she can come up to the detective's office. And she's, you know, adamant about not coming up to the detective's office because she's working and she needs to be able to finish her work. And and I told her, well, this is really important. You really need to come up here and speak to me. She then asked her boss if she can take a break. And, you know, she gets back on the phone and asked me, you know, if I come up there and talk to you, will I be able to come back to work? <laughs> I said, yeah, sure. Come on up here and talk to me. He'll let you go back to work. <laughs> so, <laughs> so she says, okay. Fucking stupid. Yeah. And yeah, so. She agreed to come on up. So she left work. She drove on up there to the detective's office. She gets there, of course. 
take her to the interview room, myself and Woody, and do the same process. Give her her Miranda rights. We have the form. It's all recorded. She initials, signs. Ask her if she wants to talk. She says she wants to talk. So at this point, you could see the nervous swallow going on. Oh yeah, it's she, not cold in the detective's office. She knew. She's got sweats all beads all over her. I mean, she knew she what she was up there for. Right. So as soon as I, I finished with the Miranda, she wants to talk. I had asked her, you know, did she know the mom? Yes. And then he asked, do you know her, you know, her child? And she said yes. And at that point, she puts her head down. And I already knew we had this one won. This wasn't even going to be right. Fight. It was no mineral um, karate going on in that, that no, time. She she knew she was she was toast. Yeah. So I started asking her, um, you know, questions of you know where were you this time and and locking her in on her statements and she admitted but, to being at the house. Let, let me let me set it up for you, y'all. See, this is different now. When he did the mom, did her. When you interviewed the mom, when you interviewed the mom, he went aboard her ass, is what I call it, right? Had, sometimes you have to get aggressive to get the truth. This chick, exact opposite. She was she was like demure from the beginning, head down. So Jim, you know, the lady's like the hitman, right? So Jim closes the distance and starts speaking to her in a softer voice and okay, can you tell me that he wasn't being hard on this because she was already broke down, right? And if if, you, if he goes in there and like, tell me what happened on such and such, she might clam up. So and he, he played her like a fiddle. Like a fiddle. Yeah. And, I mean, I think the drive that she had from the Mercedes-Benz dealership to the detective's office broke her down. <laughs> don't, you, don't you think that must have been like the longest ride in your entire life? Yeah. <laughs> so, so, um, she she was very cooperative with it. I'd ask her, you know, where where were you on this particular date at this time? She admitted to being there at the house. And I was like, well, I feel like you have a story you want to share. Why don't you just go ahead and share it? Because we already know it. And she knew. She, she knew that we knew. Yeah. And she just started describing it that, you know, she had talked to the mom. Prior to ever, the first time ever even kissing the kid, she kept saying how cute her son was going to be. He was so handsome, and he was going to grow up to be a, you know, a, a lady killer, so to speak, because of, of, of um, you know, just being a heartthrob. And not, not like the hitman. Towards that. What's that? <laughs> so not as much as a the hot man hitman, but go ahead. I'm, I'm, just, I'm making jokes. Go ahead. <laughs> So she goes ahead and um, starts describing that situation, and the, and the mom, so on, saying, "Well, he's never even kissed a girl before, you know, and, and maybe maybe his first kiss can be with you." Basically, she's grooming the mom, y'all. That's where the preferential pedophile comes in. She feels her; she's feeling her out, right? She knew that that she befriended her actually, not that long before and I mean, of course this is after finding out that she has a 13 year old and uh, preferential pedophiles have a certain age range they like to fend against so she's ingratiated herself into the family become friends with the mom start soft serving her up with oh well, you know he's so handsome and da 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 a little bit at a time and pressing a little bit more and well this mom you know definitely not mom of the year 
in the brains yeah. department or anywhere else, she is receptive to the attention that this pedophile is throwing down about her kid in, in it just fucking mushroomed. Yeah. Go ahead. Jen. The, um, so she, she describes what has happened. And she described the first time that they kissed that mom had given her permission. It was okay. It happened in front of mom. That's crazy. Yeah. I wouldn't make out with somebody in front of my mama today, my, my own wife. I mean, I, I can't imagine. She described it. They were, in the, they were in the kitchen. They were sitting at the at the table there in the, in the, in the kitchen area that they had, in, and she sat down next to him, and she turned to him and pulled him in and held his hands and leaned in and thought him had a kiss, and mom watched it. Oh, my God. And that's how it, that's how it started, and then she proceeded to say she came over the next week, and um, she then admitted to giving him a, a, a blowjob yeah. uh, the week prior to the actual first time the kid had sexual intercourse. Right. So you can see the progression of what she's getting away with. They can do it more and more and more so that she can get away with. She admitted to the ecstasy. And, uh, you know, I, she's, I, when she started talking about that first Friday that they had sex in the same room, I asked her to describe it more. Huh. Describe it more, and, be, and, and it's not that I'm doing this because I want to be a sick bastard. This is exactly I'm right. Doing this because I need to get her to say exactly what he said in the interview, locking it up. For a fact that that this child has not spoken to her since this came to light. That's right. So, so she ends up. Um, I asked her. I said, "Is there something specific that went on, like?" Position-wise, did you and the mother do anything? Hey, she she was not she was not uh, bashful about describing sex acts to two men, and I mean it's like that's that in her mind it's just the way it clicks. She's like, yeah, I, I did man blowjob, and I did this and did that, and and but, but Jim's setting her up for you know the nail in the coffin. Go ahead, buddy. I'm sorry. So then I asked her, you know, describe that to me. And she said that she and the mom had were making out, and she described that they were facing each other doggy style. Well, the child was behind her, and the stepdad was behind the mom, and they were making out with each other and fondling each other's tits. <laughs> I saw. I'm not trying to lie. I just can't. I, I remember it like it was yesterday. Yeah. And she went on to describe it, and then she proceeded to talk about how she'd gone over there after work before and would essentially tuck the kid into bed, um, but give him, a, a, you know, some sex before he went to sleep. Um, she described all the different times that, that happened. And when the interview was over with, you know, she was, I, she said, all right, you guys promised me I can go back to work. Can I go back to work now? And... I don't know why in this one particular moment, and I'm just going to tell you what ended up happening. I, I was like, I can slap the handcuffs on her and walk over there right now. I did promise her that she, if she came up here, I let her go back to work. The child's in child custody right now. The mom's already in jail. And child services had already, we already made arrangements for the smaller kids to go to a relative's house where child services picked up those kids. And I'm thinking, hmm, well, she can't get to the kid, so I'm not really worried about that right now. 
No problem. Yeah, you can go back to work. And you also, but yeah, you also told her that specifically. We already knew the kids were safe. Uh, otherwise, if there was any chance in hell that she could have had any access to any body, right? And 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 but you know, she was told no access, no contact with any kids, much less those kids, whatever, going back to work, and we'll we'll be talking to you soon. Yeah. We'll be, and she was like, oh, okay, thank you. And she got up to walk out, and I knew <laughs> that before she even gets back to Mercedes-Benz, I've already got a warrant. Right. So really the only thing that she got was a drive time. Well, um, it was also another reason for doing it, but go ahead. Well, go ahead. I'll let you have that. Well, the, uh, the other reason for doing it, he's, he knows, Jim knows when she goes back to East Baton Rouge Parish, by the time she gets there, he's he, the, the ink will be dry on the warrant. He, the, the warrant's typed out. He runs it down to the judge. Uh, guess what? I mean, it's literally downstairs. From yeah. Where yeah. I mean, uh, we're in the same building. And, and by he, she could have sat there and waited to do it. And we get a shelf her off to jail, but there's a little bit of justice in this, if you will, by letting her go back into East Baton Rouge Parish. Uh, you want me to go so, ahead, Jeff? Yeah, so uh, feel free to cut in when you're ready on it. But <clears throat> Baton Rouge at the time had a, well, they still do now, they had a sex crimes division. And they have to work some terrible cases just like we do. And I knew that this is something that they would want in their sex crimes case because a lot of times it's, I don't know, maybe maybe this is, go ahead, Woody, you just, you just take this part. <laughs> <laughs> I got a lot of things I can say. I, all right, so basically, and you'll hear about it in a lot of cases we've done, if we get a chance to perp walk somebody and, 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 make, and make an example out of them, we're going to do it. So the... To not bullshit you, we let her go back to, across the line in East Baton Rouge Parish, and we already had had them on the line. Uh, we or said, "Hey, got the warrant, faxing it over now." You know, we knew they were going to go over there and make a production out of it, and and they so did. There was a they're, they're going to make a production out of it because they have they had in the past made some really they built some really good cases, and they did some perp walks, and so they have direct access to the news media. That's right. And they, and a sex crimes case. And, and the, the, I happened to know, and like Woody, we knew some people that worked within that unit very closely. Right. And so this case was one of those, like, are you kidding me? Yeah. So we went ahead and picked up the phone and we called them and, you know, literally told them flat out, I'm sending you in a warrant (laughs) and it's being entered into NCIC as we speak. This is the person this is the this is this is what was admitted and told to us confession. Do what you do. Yeah, and it, it was like we gave him a gift. Yeah, it also takes and, uh, it, it also takes the news media in Baton Rouge less time to get to the Mercedes Benz dealership than it does to, to get to the Livingston Parish Jail. There's no way we we, we could have got perp walked them before. Uh, they couldn't have got there. It took them an hour to get to our jail and set up and everything else and, and all that. And so they go over there, they make the big show of it, you know, and, and the news is there and, and they do what they do. And, and of course the guys in, in that unit have a very tight, as we, we knew all the reporters also, but they, so they're able to give them a heads up. Hey, we're going over here to scoop this chick for this, listen to this shit. And then tell what happened. So, 
you know, it was classic perp walk. And she's, hey, guess what? She went back to work for the last time. She pulls back into the Mercedes-Benz dealership. She parks. She goes inside. A few minutes later, Channel 7, Channel 2. What, you know, channel 9 and Channel 2, yeah. Channel 9, there you go. The vans are all pulling up, yeah. Of course, we're there by that time. We're, we're, we're there not long out there watching. And then all of a sudden, here, here comes here comes Baton Rouge PD. And uh, they, they snatched her up and they perp walked her. Perp walking, y'all, meaning they, they, you have arranged with the media ahead of time say, hey, this is what we're arresting this person on. These are what the charges are. You know, uh, put it on the news. And the media loves to be there like, such, such. Did you. Did you have set? Se- yes. Did you have an orgy with this family while doing MDA and da 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 da? And usually, and some of our best confessions, the are getting the perpetrators, the bad guys. When we get the confession, we say, "Hey, look, the media is going to be out there. You need to keep putting your human face on yourself." And when they ask you, "Did you do it?" Yes, yeah, yeah, I did it. I did it, you know, because I loved her. It was an accident or whatever. And that's something else that, that they can't deny in court. Uh, but in this case, it was really about just, you know, throwing the dog a bone to Baton Rouge and, and to the news media and, and to exposing the, the sh- shit bags for what they were. So uh, there's there's another piece of this puzzle. So she, she gets arrested now. But we can't forget about the stepfather. Yeah. So we went to go arrest him. You know, we had probable cause to go ahead and arrest him. But he's gone. He took off. Yeah. So he knew when those kids were gone, wife was gone, mom's friends gone, everybody's gone. And what happened? Yeah, his sugar turned to shit, literally. His sugar turned to shit. I had to. And he ran like. Yeah, he. He ran. Just as much involved with giving the kid drugs as the child rape, the accessory to everything. Yep, and and the accessory part, he they're just as guilty as her for raping the for raping uh, the boy. For allowing it to happen. Every time it happened, they caught the charge too. So, I mean, so, mm-hmm. and he, he ran like a little bitch. I mean, come on, man. I mean, the, the, I mean, your, your wife took it and, and it took her lick and this other chick's taking her lick and you're going to run. So he did. He ran. He ran. But the one thing is you can't outrun that warrant. Eventually they, that, that paper will catch up with you eventually. And you can't outrun the U.S. Marshals because when they come for you, boy, they come prepared. That's right. And, Especially uh, for child we sex could, offenders. We couldn't yeah. find them on our own. We couldn't find them in our own channels. And when I passed that warrant off to the U.S. Marshal Service uh, with those kind of charges, it, it kind of goes to the top of their list. Oh, yeah. And uh, they'll find you. And they did. They found him. And he made his way back to, to face his charges and. Uh, we even cut a warrant. Well, we didn't have to cut a warrant. He was brought to us, the the, the one who... who uh, yeah, the one know, who gave the ecstasy. The ecstasy. Yeah. We, we, had to, we had to do that. That's just the law, and it is what it is. And, you know, um, the family completely cooperated, and, and you know, he took... This this guy took his charge and... Yeah. Face the judge now. Crazy, man. Crazy, crazy story. And, I mean, you just family. don't know... What goes on, and much less behind closed doors, but what goes on in people's heads and their minds, and what makes them think 
that shit like that is okay. And, and you know, the, uh, I, I don't know. And I've done, I've done it. I still work these cases to this day. Now on the defense side, uh, um, you know, especially when the people, I mean, I won't, you know, if I, if I tell them, Hey, they're, they're guilty and you, know, you better plea out, then that's what I do. But on the, there are some people who are falsely accused. And, uh, but I, I just don't get it. Uh, the, uh, not even on my wildest want to day, would what I ever, the dream of doing that, you know, especially with your kids. So I don't know, man. Yep. And, and, you know, we, we, we take all the right steps like we did with the forensics, uh, interviewer for the child, because a lot of times kids like to go and just make up stories. Oh yeah. That's a good way to fact. That's what, that's what happens. It, it could be they're at that age now. Let's say the parents are split up and, and they have a boyfriend now and it's their weekend to go to daddy's house, but daddy won't let the boyfriend come over. But mama lets the boyfriend sleep over. So they're like, mm, daddy, my daddy touched me. Cause they know that, that, I mean, a lot of the, the child sex accusations, um, when kids crowd on teenagers, stuff like that, are just bullshit and, and they're playing or it's, or the parents are using it. Uh, unfortunately, a lot of them are bullshit, but the ones that aren't fuck them. It, it hook them and book them, slam them, lock them away. Yeah, got nothing for them. You, you, you just eat a bunch of ass. That's what, as far as I'm concerned. The uh, so just another good story, man. And y'all, when we hear me laughing and stuff again. That's that's weird. I am probably the hardest some bitch you ever meet in your life. I've probably got more people doing life in Angola for messing with kids and in than all the other cops you ever met in your entire life put together. I mean, and Jim also, we don't take it lightly. Fuck them. They, they can ride out. I don't give a fuck who you are. And, and yeah, I, I don't care if we were best friends or whatever you do that to a kid, you do something to a kid, you get, I hope you get what's coming to you, bitch. Yeah. Uh, because yeah. that's what you deserve because I don't believe you can rehabilitate a sex offender. Nope. 99% mental. And, and you know, the, I love, the, you know, the Alabama law coming out uh, now about castrating the sex offender as well. Guess what? You know, I I mean, I've got had one that was 88 years old and certainly he couldn't get an erection anymore. I got a confession out of him. He's 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 still teaching kids uh, uh, after all the years of, of being a sex offender. And Jim, did I cut y'all? Uh, okay. All right. So the, uh, it's, you know, sex is on that part of, for them. It's 99% mental. It's about the grooming, about getting away with it, et cetera. Just like this chicken. It's very rare for a girl like this lady, uh, lady, this female to do it at that young. So probably she was offended against also a lot of offenders were molested or raped themselves as kids, but it doesn't, Give them an excuse. That's not a fucking excuse. There's there's millions of people out there that were raped or molested as kids who don't go out and rape and molest kids when they grow up. So, right. the, uh, anyway, it's I don't know y'all the the it's a, it's a story. These things happen. This is real life, real crime. The uh, and we we we're not. Oh yeah, we got we got a hundred of these. But the 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 thing is, 
we we don't say when we say blowjob or whatever like that. We're not trying to say anything. We don't tell you a tenth of the of the acts. Uh, when we get them to describe the acts, we get them to describe everything and in detail. And we're not going to sit here and do that. Some pervert out there can can masturbate to it, but we have to give you enough pertinent facts so you get the true just of the story. And um, yeah, it is what it is. So. All right. It is what it is, but thank you all for letting me share this yeah. crazy story about family. And time wise, I, I they got a bunch of time. I don't I don't remember how much because we did so many of these cases. Y'all, Jim, do you remember? I mean, I know it's more than thirty or forty years or well, whatever. They, 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 they pled them out. They, yeah, yeah. They pled down to one count, I believe, which is enough to put you away for yeah. many many years. Yeah. So, but anyway. Hey, real quick, y'all, and I know Jim. I know you have to go, but real quick, I just want to. Thank all the fans out there. We love y'all. Uh, um, you know, you're huge. The, the the patron members, thank you, thank you, thank you for the support of uh, Real Life, Real Crime. We couldn't do it without you. Not everybody else, if you're not a patron member, we love you just as much. The the the. the please just keep liking us and sharing us. And uh, our crew page, y'all, of Real Life, Real Crime, friends, fans, and crew, Hit 7,400 members today. We're doing almost 100 members a day. Y'all, please continue to share that page with everyone you know. Uh, iTunes, I think we were four away from 1,000 reviews on iTunes today and almost at five stars. Uh, so, y'all, if y'all will, leave us a review. Um, we got, I think, got some information today that somebody's going to uh, be coming on, maybe coming on to help us with our Instagram and, and some social media stuff. So, y'all check us out on those. The um, so would you, would you? Hey, we love you, man. We appreciate you. I mean, we wouldn't be doing this if y'all weren't listening. Yeah, we thank you guys very much. Y'all have been fantastic with sharing of the posts, to commenting, to wearing pink or red on Fridays. Um, you know, the more the stuff gets shared, the more tips we would get on Courtney's case, and just y'all have been fantastic for us. And you know, none of this would be possible without you. And, you know, we're forever grateful for every single one of you. So thank you. Absolutely. Really, really appreciate you. And I don't know what else to say, but um, go Tigers. <laughs> hey, hey, you better believe you better believe one damn thing. Say so you going Something's going to be said about Courtney next Friday, period. And in the, in the, in that's all we're going to say about it. So the uh, – Anyway, so yeah, go Tigers. Thank you all for everything. And Jim? That's it. I appreciate it. Thank you for letting me share that story with you. All right. Um, and, hey, and, and thanks again to Tom Play uh, uh, for the new music. We really appreciate that again. Y'all check them out. And until next time or ever, don't let us catch you down on murder by you. Peace. Peace. to remain silent. Anything you say can and will be used against you in a court of law. You have the right to an attorney prior to and during any question. You can't afford one to court appoint one for you. You understand your rights? 
Your crime spree was over, son. Yeah, you thought you had it licked. But Hitman in overtone made you sure to turn to shit. <laughs> Get ready, you're gonna do time. 